We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Psalm 107. Everybody got it? Yeah? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west. From the north and from the south. His mercy endures forever. That will be a prevailing sentiment through this whole psalm. So think about it, consider it, even memorize it, and apply it to your lives. The other thing I I love about this psalm is that it speaks of redemption. It speaks of restoration. Um, In the Christian sense... Redemption is the fact that Christ gave his life for us. He bought us back, right? He bought us back from the enemy. He ransomed us from sin and the devil. He gave his life for us. If you think about redemption in the worldly sense, in the financial sense, um, when you're going to give something back, and they're going to buy it back from you, you don't usually get the financial value of that object, right? Not even the reasonable close financial uh, price of that object. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many of you guys have tried to sell your cars back to a dealer or trade it in. They want to give you nothing, right? Um, I remember as a kid, um, if you're over 50, you, might guys, you guys might understand this. As a kid, my buddy and I... And the rest of our, our friends would get a market basket. It wasn't really our market basket, but we took a market basket. And we'd fill it with uh, Coke bottles, RC bottles, Pepsi bottles, and take it to the store to get it redeemed. And we'd get the redemption value for the bottles. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. Enough to get a few Hershey's and Abba Zabba. Uh, Jolly Rancher. They had Jolly Ranchers back then. So that's what I understood about redemption. But in Christ Jesus, it's so remarkable. It's so amazing. I think God the Father just was over-exuberant. But that shows how much he loves us. He was wildly over-exuberant. I mean, he wildly overpaid what we were worth. How many of you would give your child for another man? I know I would give my own life for my child, but give my child for another man? I don't know. I doubt it. But his gift was so great. It's so amazing. So amazing. He gave his only begotten. I mean, we're all children by creation. But this woman came, this man came through the Holy Spirit, 
was incarnated through a woman and became man for us. He was the God-man. And God the Father gave him for us. If you ask me, he overpaid. Right? Redemption usually means getting part of the price back, but he overpaid. He paid so much that that redemption value pays for all of us who have sinned, for all our sins we're going to commit, for all the sins of all humanity of all time, for those who haven't been born yet, and it's still overpaying. But that's how much he loves us. That's much he was willing to redeem us for. I mean, to get something back from that one that kidnapped you, what do you have to do? It's a ransom. It's a ransom. So I don't know if, if I would ransom my own child for someone else's child, for someone else's brother or sister. But he loved us so much, guys. He loves us so much. So keep that in mind. His mercy endures forever. His grace is a tremendous thing. Amen? As we read through this psalm. As we read through the psalm, also remember, you guys have probably learned this if you have, if you've been in any Bible study or any um, Bible teaching church, that as you read the Old Testament, many times, oftentimes, the literal historical events or physical happenings in the Old Testament represent or portray or a shadow of spiritual events, literal spiritual events in the New Testament and in our lives. So keep that in mind as we read through this. So he went throughout the world and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. He was redeeming people. So as we read this, just realize, and you probably know, that uh, it's speaking of the people of Israel, the Jewish nation, but it's certainly applicable to us. Okay? Verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. A lost people. People who had just been liberated freed from Egypt, freed from slavery, but not considering the miracles, not considering the love of God, they were disobedient. And they didn't take map directions or disciplinary directions very well. Um, so for that sheer fact, a 40-day trip turned into how many years? 40 years. So the next time your wife says, honey, make a right here, you might want to listen, okay, guys? Follow directions. I, I, the Lord is tremendously gracious and patient. His mercy endures forever. I don't know about you, but if I were to invite my brother Rick to my house, and tell him how to get there, then put neon signs pointing to my house and says, Mark lives here. And I saw him go in front of my house and go past it 18 different times, I would lose my patience. I'd say, well, you know what, Rick, Rick can go home. <laughs> right? But that's me. 
right? That's me. The Lord, man, he sees our walkings and our doings and our rabble-razzing and all that, and, and he still waits for us. Are we willing to listen to his directions? Are we? Can you imagine the Jewish people, how they were? 40-day trip turns into 40 years. It was a grave mistake. <laughs> to the point that from that first generation of Jewish people that came out of Egypt, only two got into the promised land. <laughs> Could you imagine them walking for 40 years? Tattered clothing, tattered shoes, just uh, worn beyond belief, full of sin. And the Lord still offers them refuge. Verse 7, it says, And he led them forth by the right way. Verse 6, excuse me. Then they cried out, after all this, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Are we thankful? Yeah? Do we give him thanks? for putting us on the right path, for putting us in the right direction, for loving us so much. He's an amazing, gracious, loving God. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, now picture, picture someone who's tired. Picture these people. Picture yourselves. And Jesus says to them, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He offers rest. He offers us a city to live. He offers us a place where we can be established. In John 4.16, he tells us, I am the truth and the way and the life. Don't forget the second part. This is the direction part. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's exclusive. An exclusive offer Exclusive, exclusive direction, but its offering is widespread. It's for everybody. But there's only one way, guys. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Amen? Amen, brother. So they cried out, and he heard their distresses, and he put them on the right path. Isn't that just, isn't that just like God? <laughs> he is so wonderful. He satisfies a longing soul and fills a hungry soul with goodness. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Verse 10. It says, Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. 
What's this speak of? What do you guys get? I'll tell you. It speaks of slavery. It speaks of being in bondage, of being in shackles. Because instead of serving the living God, instead of following their father who so loves them, they decide to worship false idols, to worship false gods. Nowadays, I don't think it's so much the problem about a statue. I think it's more of a self-made God nowadays. We love or think we love who we are or what we want to be. It's an about me generation, right? We think we're entitled to things, that I deserve it because I was born in the United States. I graduated high school, that automatically means I get 20 bucks an hour. No. Work for it, right? We have a gracious God that offers us his love. He doesn't say, uh, do 10 Mar Hail Marys, uh, 100 Our Fathers, and know the creed to be able to get into heaven. He said, Jesus just says, come to me, know me, accept my son. But we fail miserably. We fail miserably. So we fall into slavery. We fall into keep trying to keep up with the Joneses. We fall into trying to get that new, what is it, phone is it now, 6S or? I don't know. I don't own a smartphone. Henry gets on my case for that, but I don't own a smartphone. I own a dumb phone. You know, we fall into slavery to things, to people. I mean, sometimes... I may have been guilty of this in my younger days. I, I, I basically worshipped my kids. Um, I would uh, be there at every soccer practice, every school event. And don't get me wrong, that's an excellent choice. Be with your kids. But thank God for your kids. They're gifts from heaven. I mean, I remember... Uh, both my son, Michael, and James, my two oldest, they were exceptional athletes. And I thought to myself, oh, man, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. They're going to make it. And, then, you know, they made all, CI, all our league. Um, they'd tell me, oh, your, your son Michael's going to be able to play in a big-time university and this and that. And uh, I was really into that to the point where I abandoned the things of God to my shame. Okay, guys? Don't abandon a sure thing for a one in a million thing. God is great. He's awesome. He blessed me with these boys. I mean, I used to watch them play. My son James was an excellent athlete. He, he went from playing soccer all his life to playing baseball one year, and in that one year he was already in the All-Stars. But that's not the point. The point was I abandoned God to follow him. Um, I learned. I learned. By the time I got to Randy, I, I had a better idea of what it was to be a father. But thank God for his grace that I still have boys that love me. So let's not make idols out of anything. Let's worship the true and living God. 
these people forgot and they fell into slavery. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death bound in afflictions and irons because they rebelled against God, the words of God, and despised the counsel of the Most High. He gives correct counsel, true counsel. He gives the instructions for a beautiful life, but we don't listen. That's where these people were. They fell into slavery. To the Egyptians, to the Babylonians. Wherever, whatever idol they tended to worship, they would fall into bondage to that culture. And they were so off. Are any of us idol worshipers? I mean, it gets to the point where we'll idol, we'll worship our pastors. It's crazy. They're worthy of respect, don't get me wrong. We have an excellent pastor in Pastor Manny, and I thank God for him. But do we pray for him? Do we keep him close to our heart? That's more important than saying, wow, Pastor Manny. No, you pray for him. Amen? So even though we screw up, these Israelites screwed up, when they cried out, this is what happened. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. How many of you have been set free? If Jesus has set you free, you are free indeed. Read uh, book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 to 34, 35, around there. Amazing, Lord, we, we serve. Amen? He loves you. Are you convinced that he loves you? Amen. If you're not, go to him. Cry out to him. You'll see. Verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Sin's a terrible thing. So terrible that it could actually bring you to the point of physical illness. How many of you guys have ever been addicted to anything? How many of you guys have ever been just torn up on the inside? Sin will do that. How many of you guys have unconfessed sin? Sin will do that. It will make you ill. I mean, literally. Um, I shared earlier that when I was 18, I thought I was a pretty smart guy. <laughs> I remember up until the age of about 14, my dad was my hero, and he, he did everything right. I got, got to the age of high school, and I started thinking for myself. Or so I thought. Someone else was thinking for me, right? And um, I just remember one incident 
that I had when I was 18. And I was basically talking to my dad, and I started putting him down. I mean, viciously. Telling him how immature he was, how much he had to grow up. Can, can you imagine an 18-year-old punk telling his dad that? I mean, I think I told you, my dad was a tough guy. He wouldn't stand down to anybody. I mean, anybody. But I left him crying because his own son disrespected him in that manner. His own son. I left him crying. Talk about bad memories. As soon as I had given him my whole dissertation about things, I looked at him and I realized what I had done. He literally gave his life for me. He worked two jobs to put me through a good school. For 15 years he did that. Talk about feeling sick after you sin. I mean, I must have been days that I couldn't eat, days that I had an aching stomach and just didn't feel myself. And that'll do it to you. That'll do it to you. There's a biblical case for what I'm saying. Would you guys open your, uh, move your Bibles to Psalm 32? Think of David. You guys know the story of David? Man after God's own heart. I wouldn't dare say this about anybody else, but maybe one of God's favorites. <laughs> he doesn't have favorites. But I think of him that way. He had a problem. His power got to his head. His manhood left him, and he became an adulterous, murdering criminal. And when he was confronted on it, he finally realized. And that's what Psalm 32 is about. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
This is David speaking. This is what the sin did to him. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turning to the drought of summer. Selah. But, there's no but there, but <laughs> I added it. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of what? Deliverance. So back to my story. Indulge me, guys. I, I mean, I can't tell you anyone else's story because I don't know it. After that happened with my dad and myself, <laughs> my mom was pretty sharp. A godly woman. My dad always said he was lucky to have her, and he was. He just said, I'm blessed to have my wife. But... Uh, I was feeling horrible, and she saw me. She saw me, how I was, just low and broken. And she just finally comes up to me, and she says, You know what? Go to your dad and kneel before him. I said, Kneel before him? She says, Kneel before him and ask him for forgiveness. And so I did, because my sin was eating me up. It was causing tremendous, tremendous chaos in my mind, in my heart. I went, and I asked him for forgiveness, and guess what he did? He looks at me and says, That's okay, mijo. Don't worry about it. So when I see Israel testing our father in that way, the God of the universe is still willing to say to his kids, don't worry about it. Fools, because of a transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They couldn't even eat. And they drew near to the gates of death, then they cried out to the Lord in the trouble. There it is. That's the key. They cried out to the Lord in trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. Who's the word in the New Testament? Jesus. And delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that man would give thanks for the Lord, for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Do we serve a good father or what? Amen. Verse 23. 
you know, the reason the Lord gave me this is because he's working on me. He's working on me. Verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises a stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. He's speaking of sailors, obviously, right? People who know the sea, people who have been out on the ocean, but people who have seen the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God. How many of you guys have seen that? If you haven't, seek it. Seek it now. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises a stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their souls melt because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. Speaking of someone who has seen the power, the virtue, the love of God and has turned their back on it. That's what I imagine when I read this. I imagine rousers and carousers, man, troublemakers, disrespecters of God and man. I mean, they're out for themselves. They're out for a good time. They're out to get whatever they want. Even though they've seen this power and this grace. But their own sin finds them out. Do you guys know that your sin finds you out? It disrobes you. It annihilates you in front of God. So they fail miserably like we all do. They get to the point where their own sin it starts to drown them. I mean, they get up on their tippy toes and they can't stay above the sin. I mean, their chins or their nostrils are up to it already, and they can't. They're in the deep. They've seen the power, and they haven't respected it. They're disrespecters of man and God. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you. But I've gotten to the point where their sins are like waves. They're standing on their tippy toes trying to keep out of, out of the water, start trying to keep from drowning, and their waves, the waves of evil are starting to surround them. But with that last breath, with that last extension of their body, they reach out to God. They reach out to God in the same manner that we should. And it says, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. Lord Jesus. And he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them back to their desired haven. 
What's our desired haven? You guys know what a haven is? A place of refuge, a place you want to go and be and be safe? It should be Christ. Amen? It should be Christ. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of elders. You guys willing to exalt God? You willing to praise him with your life? With your life? You realize what God does to you and does for you? Do you really? I was telling the earlier group, they weren't half as good looking as you guys, but <laughs> but I was telling them, you know, what was I telling them? <laughs> I have a pet peeve. I shouldn't divulge this and I shouldn't say anything because you're not going to want to stand next to me during worship. But I have this thing about people not wanting to sing. I don't understand it. I really don't. People say, oh, we have different ways of worshiping. Yeah, but this is a corporal worship. We're in church. Do we not think that the Lord is worthy to be sung to? To have our hands raised to? Listen to the mercy. His mercy endures forever. Going back to redemption. Did he pay a measly $8 million fee for us? Oh, he paid with his son's life, his son's blood. Amen? Think about it. Man, if, if you're going down that wrong road and you're stumbling and hitting your head against the wall, you have an opportunity to turn around. You have an opportunity to reach up and reach out. And he does the rest. He's waiting for you. In closing, let's go to Isaiah. Chapter 53. You know, we often realize that Jesus died for us, right? He gave his life for us. That would be good enough. But he went way beyond that. He didn't only give his life for us, He died as us. You guys know the difference? Dying for, for someone else, okay, you fulfilled your duty, you died, you felt the pain. But on top of that, add the fact that he felt our sins. He felt our sorrows. He felt our filth. We're talking about the most immaculate, pure being feeling like a man feeling our disgusting sin, our, our greed, our anger, our hate, our jealousy, our adulterous heart, our murderous heart, all in one moment on the cross. So he didn't just die for you, he died as you. Let me read what it says in Isaiah 53. 
verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely, this is confirmation of what I've been teaching you guys, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yours and mine. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? One last passage, and we'll finish up. This will uh, make you understand even better what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Everybody got it? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. This is the Apostle Paul. This is what he writes. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You hear that? He made him who knew no sin to be sin, to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Talk about redemption. Talk about being restored. Talking about giving value to that which was worthless. Someone wrote, I don't even remember where I read it, something pretty wise. And it's a biblical truth. When we trust in Jesus, we make an exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. At the crucifixion, our sin was poured into Christ, into him. And at our new birth, at our conversion, his righteousness is poured into us. Amen? Can you guys agree that God is good? His mercy endures forever, right? God is good. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.